Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. My name is Austin Vondracek. You can call me, though, today, the intermission. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of filling in so these guys start up again. Um, no, uh, you know, this is the fourth week, which means, of course, fourth, fourth sermon related to Advent and Christmas and um, also not my first year preaching during Advent and Christmas. And inevitably, every year, at least one person will ask at some point, uh, how do you write so many Advent sermons. Like, it's not like we have a whole bunch of new material coming out. And uh, there's, in, even among what we have, there's only two stories of the nativity in, in Matthew and Luke. The other two, they don't even have Jesus's birth. It's, it just kind of skips right ahead to the beginning of, of his ministry life. Um, so how do we do it? Well, at some points we get desperate as pastors. That's, that's one thing. Um, eventually, you'll probably hear me preach a sermon called, uh, I don't know, the, the nativity through the eyes of the donkey, right? Like, that's just like, you know I'm scratching at that point. Um, no, the, the truth is, yes, it would be very difficult if, if all we could ever preach from and, and talk about during the Christmas season was Matthew and Luke's accounts of Jesus' birth. But here's the thing. The message of Christmas is all through Scripture. The message of Christmas weaves in and out of the entire grand narrative of Scripture, and it comes together, it comes to a point at the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Christ but it is everywhere. And so it is here in 1 John as we read the first few verses. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the words of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard, so that you may also, ha or you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Well, John is making a very fundamental uh, assertion about faith, about salvation. Very fundamental, very, very basics. And we're going to get to that, but we're going to take some steps to get there. And first off, this is kind of the first step we're going to take. We're going we're to back up from just the Christmas story. In fact, we're going to back up even, even larger than, than Christianity itself. And we're going we're gonna to talk about all religions. Okay, so all religions, um, all major religions, whether it be Islam, Hinduism, uh, Sikhism, Taoism, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank, ism. Uh, all of them um, have some in common, but there are uniquenesses, and especially one thing in particular that is different, that makes Christianity different 
than all other religions from a, a standard kind of orthodox mainline understanding of the Christian faith. Now, some people, I've heard it before, and I understand what people mean by this when they talk about, you know, maybe all religions are all kind of the same, right? We're all all just like, you know, whatever kind of tangible way we think about it. We're all climbing the same mountain, right? Or we're uh, we're all touching an elephant, okay? We're just touching different parts, however it is we think about it. We all are worshiping the same God. We maybe just have different names. Here's the thing. Um, I don't agree with that, and I'm not saying that as a Christian. I'm saying that as someone who has investigated other religions to try to understand what the majority of the world believes collectively, and there are differences. And so to say that they're all the same is, I I think, to fundamentally uh, mute the the basics of, of every one of these religions, not just Christianity. All major religions... Have a, and it, this is kind of the, the thing here. All major religions have um, this in common that there is a person or people who are the main character or characters of the founder's narrative of the religion. Someone or a group through whom the revelation of the divine uh, has first communicated. And for all of them, then, the purpose of the, the founder, the first person, is to point the way towards whatever kind of understanding of salvation is found in this divine being. All of them, except for one. It is only Christianity that the founder points at himself as salvation and eternal life. John, said, John, John put it this way, we already read it, but he says eternal life was with the Father and has appeared to us. So on Christmas, eternal life appeared. On Christmas, eternal life was incarnated. On Christmas, eternal life had life, was breathed into life because Jesus is eternal life. Jesus did not point the way towards eternal life. He was the destination. He pointed at himself and spoke of himself as eternal life. Jesus says it this way, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you ascribe to any other religion, it is not enough to know the founder, to believe in the founder, or even to ascribe to uh, all of the founder's uh, moral codes. You must believe in the source of the eternal life, which is intrinsically outside of the founder, all except one. Our Christianity, being a Christ follower. But this difference between Christianity and and other religions and ways of looking at the world um, does present a unique requirement of Christianity. It means simply that Christmas must be true. Christmas has to have happened. In that, a person, Jesus, must have been born at some point in history. Jesus cannot be a metaphorical figure for all of this to be true. If he is a metaphor or a social creation or some sort of conspiracy by the masses that got a whole bunch of attention, then we need to all get off stage and leave and put a sign up in the yard for sale. Because I don't know who's got it right if that's the case, but it's not us. It's not us. And here's the thing. John 
And when I say John, I'm referring to the one who wrote 1 John. Uh, John knew this. He knew that Jesus had to be real. That the people who would go on to read his letter and people who wouldn't even have the opportunity in their lifetime to meet Jesus like the disciples would have, they needed to know that Jesus was real. It was not enough to preserve the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't enough to just write down a whole bunch of quotes from Jesus and have that be enough. He had to have existed and there needed to be evidence of that. Now, in their lifetimes, and when I say they, I mean John, and I'm talking about the other gospel writers. Um, in their lifetimes, there is something that they did not know that, that we know now. Um, we, have the, the, we have just the, the blessing of other artifacts and writings from that time. Um, other, so, so in that time, you know, Rome, Rome occupied all of the Mediterranean region. And here's the thing about Rome. Rome was a fan, Romans were fantastic, like, story writers and historians. One of the reasons why we know so much about Rome is because they wrote so much, okay? And we have so, at least some, of, of their writings. And for that reason, we can get a glimpse into life in that time. And, and within these Roman writers, you will find people who talk about Jesus, People who, who talk about Jesus' life. Now, they don't ascribe to him being God, necessarily. But in fact, I think that almost makes it better. Because they're not biased. They're not trying to, to continue the message of Jesus. Some of them, they're actually trying to squash it. But in so doing, have provided a historical record where we can look back and say, yeah, yeah, Jesus was real. This really happened. And that's why when John begins 1 John, again, not knowing what the Romans would eventually write, believing it was all up to him and the other writers, he said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So in a way, what John opens this letter with is kind of like his deposition. He's saying, here is my trusted testimony of what I have witnessed. And his testimony joins the voices of all of the gospel writers who provided such detailed accounts. When you read, especially the gospels, you're going to come across all kinds of different names and, and names and people of like where they're from and all of that. Well, that's on purpose because these guys wrote about specific people in specific places who witnessed specific teachings that Jesus provided and saw him do specific miracles so that Anyone in the first century and, and even going into the second century, if you were wondering, did this really happen? Did Jesus say that? Did he really, you know, heal this person? You could go to the exact town it happened. You could find the exact person it happened to or people who saw it. And you could ask them for yourself. The Gospels are written in such a way that invites you to be a critic, invites you to be a skeptic. Because, and I truly believe this, if the resurrection never happened, Christianity would have never made it out of the first century. We would not be here today if the resurrection didn't happen. The validity of Jesus' life is so well documented. Take away the Gospels. Take away the whole Bible. It is still so well documented that 
to claim that Jesus didn't exist is not even an attack on Christianity. It's just an attack on, on, on secular history. But all of this, all of this culminates to an important fact of faith that no other religious ideology can claim. Not that it's a competition or, you know, he who votes the most wins. It doesn't act like that. Um, but it's central to how we understand eternal life and eternal joy, as John describes. And it's simply this, that Christmas means that God can be known. And additionally, it means that God can know you. Because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, God can be known and we can know God. So here's the thing, like, if you ever wanted to know, like, what is God like? Well, look to Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, open up a Bible and, and, and read the, the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then that's who God is. You see, you can't do that with other religions necessarily, where there are other founders. You look to the founder, you don't necessarily see God. You see a, just simply a messenger. But if you want to know what God thinks of you, Look at how Jesus related to people. If you want to know, what, how, who does God love? Look at who Jesus loved. If you want to know, how do you treat your enemies? Look at how Jesus treated his enemies. If you're wondering, who should I, who would God forgive? Look at who Jesus forgave. Yet still, even with this, we need to take knowing God one step further and clarify the world of difference that exists between two things that sound so similar and often feel very similar, but are a world apart. What I'm talking about here is, is the difference between uh, knowing about God and knowing God. Knowing about Jesus versus knowing Jesus. I know people, people in my life, who, who um, they know a lot about Jesus. They know a lot about the Bible. They know a lot about theology and church history. They know a lot about, heck, if you were to just slap them in a church and make them a lead pastor outside of preaching, they could probably lead pretty well. I know people who know all kinds of things about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Because there is a difference between what you know about and what you believe. Because you can know a lot about Jesus and still not know him in a saving way. You can, you can win every trivia game about Jesus and still not believe that his death was sufficient for your forgiveness. You can know all kinds of things, and those things are still good. But we have to differentiate and understand that they, they are not faith itself. You can know a lot about Jesus, and knowing a lot about Jesus doesn't take any faith. There is a difference between what we know and what we believe. And Jesus invites us in not just to know, but to believe. And there's actually a, a word that is given in, in the original Greek um, that kind of provides what this looks like, that helps to kind of differentiate and understand the, the difference between these things. Um, the word is, the Greek word is koinonia. Okay, so koinonia uh, is... is um, it's a way of, basically, it's the vertical and horizontal communion that we share 
uh, in faith. It's the, the vertical communion that you have with God, and it's the horizontal communion that you have together as one in Christ. Now, to return to our, our text from 1 John, I'm going to read verse 3, but we're going to put koinonia in where it actually is in the Greek language to kind of hear how it's used. He says, we proclaim to you that uh, what we have seen and heard so that you may also have koinonia with us. And our koinonia is with the Father and Son. John is saying to his audience, and he's pointing ahead to future believers like you, and maybe skeptics like you, that the same koinonia communion, which we read about in the Gospels between Jesus and his followers, is modeled off of that koinonia communion that God has as the Trinity, and that koinonia communion is still available to us today. It is what we call faith. It is belief. You can know a lot about these things. But knowing about God does not equate to believing. In this Christmas season, as we think about Jesus and the birth and the narrative and, and all of these things, I would just like to, for a moment, just challenge every person. Maybe your mental model that's been there. And I, I, look, I might be talking to somebody who's grown up in the church and who's been around here or some other church forever. I'd like to challenge you to say, where are you with Christ? Do you know a lot about him? Do you have, you know, passages memorized? Do you say your prayers? Fantastic. But also first, do you believe? And through scripture, Jesus gives us this entry point of believing. He calls us to pray, to call on his name, and to recognize that he is the Savior. That he was born as we celebrate this season, but also beyond that, that he lived a perfect life in your place and also died in your place and rose again so that you could join him in that resurrection life now and to come. If, if as you process your faith and what you've believed and your experience in church and you're looking at yourself saying, boy, I know a lot about Jesus, I know everything he's just said, but yet, I, you have not made that faith commitment. You have not taken the step from what you know to what you truly deep down believe about Jesus. I would invite you to pray with me. And if that's not you, I encourage you as I pray to be praying for those who are praying that in their hearts. So let's do that together. Jesus, thank you that in Christmas you can be known. You are not far beyond you are not some sort of dead teacher. You are not full of wise and witty sayings to help us get ahead in life. But God, you are eternal life. And for all of us, God, that are still bridging that gap from knowing a lot about Jesus to believing in him. Jesus, I pray that you welcome us into your family. We profess our belief.